Climber. If you're a songwriter who wants to make hay in the music business, you need more than just good songs. You need more than great songs. If you really want to make a dent in the universe, you need super songs. What are they? We're going to talk about it today on The Climb. Johnny, do that thing you do. Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business when you have leverage everybody that you want to work with and people that you didn't even know that you want to work with will come out of the woodwork to work with you it's why we called it the climb i'm going to teach you how to get there c-l-i-m-b creating leverage in the music business that's a baxter name from a good friend and co-host mr brent baxter who is also an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by alan jackson randy travis lady a joe nichols and more southern gospel number ones top tens in australia the man's a machine keeps making miracles happen but what you're really interested in is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he teaches you how to connect with the pros. You can find Brent very easily. He doesn't teach you how. He makes the connection. That's what I mean. Huh. He's going to introduce you to the pros. You can find Brent very easily on songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It's complicated, but he's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's happening? Oh, man, just uh, had a good time writing with your boy. Yeah. Josh Roy, yeah, Joe Boy, Josh Roy, and Jamie Grooms, and uh, that was fun. the The trip itself went squirrely, but the songs didn't. The songs are the one thing that went right. <laughs> Dude, that sucks. I I have been, for the record, I have been punished like that by Allegiant Air myself. When when the first year that Janelle and I went down to Key West to that rock festival that they had, Rock Island. Mm-hmm. It was like two years ago. We took a Legion. Yeah. And it was like super inexpensive flights, right? Yeah. And it was a direct flight from Nashville to Key West. I'm like, what? This is amazing. So we went and we did that. And the thing is, is there's one flight coming in and there's one flight going out every week. One flight. Yeah. And then they just decided to cancel the flight going out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nah. We're going to cancel <laughs> it. And so I was like, what the hell? Like, I, you know, what do we do? They're like, well, you can wait around till Thursday when the next mm-hmm. flight, our next regularly scheduled flight. Yeah, yeah, it goes out, and I'm like, that's no, that's not going to fly. Key West isn't inexpensive, right? Yeah, in any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, I literally had to arrange for transport from Key West to Miami, mm-hmm. where we found a couple flights to, to to get us back home. But yeah. You got yep. screwed by Allegiant. <laughs> so, yeah, so they had m- mechanical problems. I'd have been screwed more if they tried to fly anyway. So I'm glad that they were going to put the bird in the air if it wasn't flying right. So, like, thank you for not putting my life at risk. But I got to hang out in the airport for, you know, about six hours, which, you know, I've done longer. So I just decided, you know, we called it and I was just, I wrote with them instead of going to Phoenix. I wrote with Josh and Jamie over Zoom. 
And so we still got five songs in two days. Yeah. And hopefully it's stuff that's going to serve him well and give you lots of stuff that you can help uh, help him blow up. So nice. It was a good time. It was a good time. I missed the pool and I missed the five star meals from the celebrity chef manager. Yeah. I got to hug my I got to hug my kids. Good morning. Good night. Kiss my wife. Good morning. And so, what hey, what does this make possible? possible? <laughs> my wife didn't miss me. So it's all good. <laughs> there we go. All right, man. Well, um, before we get, uh, what are we going to learn today? We're going to learn super songs. Yes. So we've had them on the podcast before. It has been many moons. I don't even know what episode it was, but we had our buddies, John Pashad and Wade Sutton on here. They wrote this book, Hacking Music. Yeah. And so I was just going back through it, looking through it, and thought, you know what? Some of this stuff is definitely good fodder for episodes. And so I'm going to talk about one of the sections called Super Songs, which are these, well, what is his name? Um, look at the quote. Oh, yeah. Jason Newstead from Metallica. Uh-huh. His quote in here is, it's more important to have a classic song than a number one song. And so we're going to kind of dive into what that is and what that means for you and your career and how you should be writing or if you're an artist, what you should be looking for. So we're going to dive into that today. Be a good time. I love it. All right. Well, before we do that, let's take care of a little bit is here. Join the climb community on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. You have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in. So don't sweat that. And you got to be good boys and girls. Like uh, if you want to talk about your new music, that's on Monday. Uh, put it as a comment on the post that we give you. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about your gigs, that's on Thursday. It's gig alert. Put that in the comments on the Thursday post. And then what we're going to share a little bit right now is Wednesday wins. Like, let's talk about your wins, man. How'd you move up? How'd you move forward? What'd you do today that was 1% better than you did yesterday? We want to hear about that. And that goes under the new heights post every Wednesday Mm -hmm. for our climbers. What you don't do is put your personal stuff in the feed, right? You know, the feed is for the community, right? Doesn't mean you can't post in the feed, just in the feed, put like, you know, if there's something funny, if there's something inspirational, if there's something educational, anything having to do with what that climb community is all about, by all means, we encourage you to post that in the feed. Yeah. But this is not where you sell siding. This is not where <laughs> you sell your songs either. You sell your song. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we just going to roadhouse you out and that'll be that. So, uh, because, because we care about the community, like we want our people not to be deluged with bullshit in the feed, to be, put it frankly. So right. there you go. So let's talk about some wins. All right. So wins, always more wins than we have time to talk about, which is awesome. So I'll just pick a couple here. Climber Brian Williams says he won the NSAI Songwriting Chapter Challenge for Wyoming. So congrats, Brian. That's awesome. Of course, you have yeah. you know, Sunday Joe Graham giving him congrats and other people on here. You know, that's, that's how we do it here. You post a win. Somebody's probably going to say, Good job. And it starts building a relationship, which I love. His name's Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. In relation to Chansey, he's also a Wyoming boy. Oh, really? I do not know. Brian, let us know. Mm-hmm. All right. Also, climber Steve Lombardo, who we've met yes. at the Freak Show and stuff. So Steve's been around. So he says, got recognized by NSAI for not one, but two songs I wrote with Michael McFarland, who I think is also a climber. Right. I was recognized for our song, and he lists the titles. I'm not going to list your titles on here because i got to go to the climb community to see what cool titles these are. But good job, Steve, for being recognized by NSAI for two songs. So put in the work. Yeah, Michael's a climber as well. I see him in his comment on here. Oh, on top of that, another song that Michael wrote that they wrote with Brad Hacker, climber, and Aaron Rose, climber, also won the NSAI 
Cleveland Chapter Challenge. So climbers out there making stuff happen, winning challenges, all kinds of goodness. Uh, as a common thread through all these wins, climber, 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 climber. Well, of course they're in the community, so they got to be. But they're working with other climbers, right? Yeah, it's that community. So it's it's awesome. I love it. And shout out to Lombardo, man, because he reached out to me and he's going to do throw a little press our way for Josh with his first release, which drops on the 10th. So it's May 10th and this will come out. When does this show drop? Oh, let me look at my calendar. I mean, everyone listening knows. Yeah, I think it'll be a couple days after this drop. Yeah, this one drops on the uh, on the 16th. Yeah. Happy May 16th, everybody. So yeah, so six days ago it dropped, and and shout out to Lombardo for for giving us a leg up on that, man. Super, super appreciate you for that. Thank you. Very cool. Well, cool. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Um, all right. The last thing is just uh, make sure you follow the climb or subscribe to it, whatever podcast platform you're on, and make sure you tell a friend about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. This this stuff here, we're trying to teach you how to get leverage. There's lots of indie musicians, other indie artists that you work with, that you're friends with in your community. If they don't know about the podcast, turn them on to it Mm -hmm. because uh, we're trying to help. All right. So let's get into this thing. Super songs. Super songs. So again, this is from John Pashada and Wade Sutton's book, Hacking Music. A lot of good stuff in there for if you're, especially if you're an indie artist, but if you're a songwriter as well, it just helps you understand kind of the the new music business and, and how to help your artists that you're hopefully writing with get stuff done and climb so you can climb with them. So this section is on super songs. And so what are super songs? It's important to differentiate a super song from a hit song, a hit song and a super song can be two very different things. Like Jason Newstead from Metallica said, it's more important to have a classic song than it is to have a hit song and, or number one song. And so these fall more into the classics song. So a couple things, and then we're going to talk into even more detail, kind of what, how you can maybe build a super song. So super songs have several things in common that set them apart from a hit. One, super songs have a tendency to outlive the artist. So these are like multi-generational songs. We're talking some Beatles songs, some Elvis songs, that kind of thing. Have long life. It's not here and gone, right? Mm-hmm. There are hits from last year that we've already forgotten about. Mm-hmm. These are not those. These are ones that your mama knows mm-hmm. and you know and your kids will know, right? Yes. Super songs age well. So obviously that's how they can outlive the artist. I mean, so we're talking like, you know, Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on or that kind of thing, which I don't know if I'll get sued just for mentioning that song. They seem to sue everybody these days. Journey, right? Yep. Yep. So the song is that age really well. But it's funny. I was in um, I was in a car parts thing getting a battery replaced uh, yesterday. And Dirks Bentley, what was I thinking? Came on the radio or was playing behind the counter or whatever. And I was like bobbing my head to it. And, and the guy in line behind me was kind of going, what was I think? And I was like, dang, this song really holds up. Like how many years has that been now? Yeah. It's been a while, like 2000. Yeah. That was his breakout single, wasn't it? It was his debut single. I'm like, yeah. this song still holds up really well. But anyway, super songs age well. Super songs tell the listener story, not the artist story. So they, there's a saying, in, and I'm reading from the book here. There's a saying in the music business that professional artists do it for their fans, while amateur artists do it for themselves. Mm. So th- this shows up heavily in the realm of songwriting and the impacts of songs' ability to reach super song status. People connect with super songs because they can find their own stories and past experiences within the lyrics. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned Journey's Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, she was a small steel town girl on a Saturday night. You know, So it has somebody else's story. 
but that don't stop believing that like how many people apply that to themselves and hang on yeah. to that for themselves or living on a prayer, similar kind of thing. Bon Jovi mm-hmm. living on a prayer. Yeah. It's Tommy and Gina, mm-hmm. their story in the verses, but that living on a prayer, which I want to sing that I want to crank that so loud right now, but anyway, people can find their story in that. Right. Yeah. It's about the listener's story, not the artist's story. So it's not all inside. Uh, super songs use concepts that are universal themes. Makes sense, right? Universal. Yeah. So uh, this is an extension of the previous point. Super songs that always have mass appeal because the themes of the songs are easily relatable. Everyone knows what it's like to lose someone to cancer. So like live like you were dying, Tim McGraw. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what it's like to work long hours and hate your job. Nine to five, Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what it's like to want to blow off steam and have a good time. Rock and roll all night by Kiss. Super songs always strike close to the heart of music fans. So the songs make people want to crank up the volume as soon as they hear it and yell, that's my song. You know, go to wedding party, walk over to the DJ and request black, back in black by ACDC. Then watch what happens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's universal themes. These are not like super niche internal things that I don't, no, these are universal things. Live like you were dying. And, and again, they're so specific in the verses, little sidebar, and live like you were dying is super specific mm-hmm. in the lyric, but the point mm-hmm. is universal. Like, I have no desire to go skydiving. I'll be honest about it. If it's a good plane, I don't need to jump out of it. <laughs> if it's working. Why are you jumping out of a perfectly good airplane? Good. Exactly. <laughs> no desire to do that. But still, I can relate to the message of it, of living your life to the fullest. Nine to five, Praise God, I've not had a day job in a while, and Lord willing, will never again. But man, how many people can relate to that? Especially women in the workforce, right? Yeah. It's an anthem. Rock and roll, these are like anthems. Yeah. So they are universal themes, so the broad appeal. Uh, super songs are also commonly upbeat. So tempo, these are not slow ballads. They can be, right? But most of the time, they're commonly upbeat. Put some tempo on it, baby. Don't put us to sleep. These aren't lullabies. Yeah. Also, super songs don't have to be explained. They're just self-evident. They explain themselves. Oh, that's a good point. Don't stop believing. I know what that's talking about. Nine to five. I know what that's talking about. Live like you're dying. I know what that's talking about. I get it. Yeah. So that's important. Like Dream you're on, dying. Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah. What? It's right it's there in the, the title. title. You know what it's about. <laughs> it's the title. Yeah. Yeah. But even stuff that like. Dream on Aerosmith. I would classify as a super song. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All you got just that dream on. Yeah. Just that part is all I really need to know. Like you don't have to explain all of it to me. Yeah. I know what's going on. Uh-huh. And also here's an interesting thing. Super songs don't have to be billboard hits. Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden failed to crack the billboard top 50 Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Come on. We all know that. Right. And of course, the Marvel thing didn't hurt either. But that was much after. It was already a super song. That's why Marvel used it. Right. Uh For the Robert Downey stuff. That's right. So, again, the Jason Newstead of Metallica said it's more important to have a classic song than a number one song. Yeah. And I mean, did Inner Sandman hit number one? I don't know if it did. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's rare for those rock songs to hit number one on like mainstream chart other than like the rock. I, I'm, I'm almost positive Enter Sam. I would be surprised if Enter Sandman didn't. And that was a huge record. And that, yeah, that was uncommon though. That was the big one that exploded them across all the platforms. It did, yeah. But it's interesting though, like Aerosmith didn't have a number one until like, don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. I think it was like their first, they finally got a number one. Yeah. 
But the, all those other songs, Dream On, Walk This Way, yeah. that are super songs that are just classics. Yeah. yeah. No, not number one. So it's more important to have a classic than a number one. Well, hey, think about this. I mean, so I think, um, I'm pretty sure Live Like You Were Dying was the number one. Oh, yeah, that was the most important And also, yeah. song. But compare that to Chuck Yeah, <laughs> which also went number one. And there's right. there's the nuance. <laughs> there, there's a thing, right? Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Can you remember the Chuck yeah song? No. <laughs> God bless them. I mean, hey, I, I'm not hating on it because they rang the bell. Yeah. So, hey, rock on. They got a number one, but that isn't going to age well. That's not a classic. That's not a classic, though. It's not a super song. It's not Live Like You Were Dying. That's not Don't Take the Girl. No. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, hey, number ones aren't bad. We're not hating on them. Yeah. <laughs> that's good job if you can do it. But we're aiming at super songs here is what these are. Yeah. So some things that super songs are not, they're not dependent on billboard charts. They're not dependent on RIAA sales. That's the Recording Industry Association of America. So like the platinum I got on the wall behind me, that's certified by the RIAA, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that do all the certifications, gold, platinum. It's not dependent upon that. It's not dependent upon genre and it's not dependent upon age. Yeah. These go beyond all that, right? They transcend it all. Yeah, so some examples, Don't Stop Believing by Journey, Living on a Prayer by John Bon Jovi, which we mentioned, Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. I mean, that was not a radio hit. Yeah. Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston, My Way, Frank Sinatra, 99 Problems by Jay-Z, Friends in Low Places, Like a Virgin, When a Man Loves a Woman, Beat It, like all mm-hmm. super songs. They Generational, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there's luck that does play into it, right? There's luck, there's timing, there's that sort of stuff that we just can't control. It just happens, right? But they include this. One thing I like about this book, Hacking Music, is a little bit of a of a textbook. They have a lot of graphic, a lot of matrices in there, that sort of stuff. And they have a, a song stickiness matrix. So a matrix, so imagine a square, and it has two lines dissecting it both ways. Two axes. Two axes. So you end up having like four little squares in a big square, right? Mm-hmm. 
you got an x-axis and a y-axis i believe was the y goes up the x goes across but anyway so oh look they quote this guy named brent baxter ask budding song writer writers are you building your songs in the right neighborhood so thank you for the quote guys with the song stickiness matrix we identify the bullseye within our dartboard take a look at the blank version of it on the next page so the horizontal axis so that's like if you go from left to right represents place so the songs landing further to the left come from a personal place internal so if you're down around the you know lower left hand corner it's much more personal Mm -hmm. as you move to the right it gets more universal in concept who can understand it what you're talking about and then as you go up and down way down at the bottom so this be the bottom left hand corner is down tempo Mm -hmm. and as you go up the chart up the y i guess the axis there it's more up tempo Mm -hmm. all right so right there in that little corner where everything's like one one it's down tempo very personal then as you go further out you know, it's getting more up tempo, more universal, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, hey, there are songs that are successful that fall into what you end up having then is like four quadrants. One is like down tempo personal. Then you have down tempo universal. You have up tempo but personal and up tempo, up tempo and universal. So those are your options with these things, right? Yeah. So there are known songs that fall into each of these four quadrants. So they're examples of successful songs in all four quadrants. But one of the four quadrants generates 85% of publishing revenues. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And that's the upper right-hand quadrant. Tempo. Oh, up-tempo universal. All right? <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> 85% of publishing revenue. So if you, as a songwriter or an artist, would like to participate in publishing revenues and create some of your own publishing revenues let's see what's making most of that money mm-hmm. up tempo universal theme right understandable we talked about it. they don't have to be explained and they're universal in topic so uh one of the four quadrants houses the majority of all super songs hmm wonder what quadrant that could be well hold on upper right hand quadrant upper right hand up tempo universal <laughs> yes so there's a reason why songs in one of the four quadrants are pitched 90% more than the others. I mean, like publishers are, and artists are always looking for up-tempo positive, but up-tempo and universal, really. Yeah. So let's see here. You want to avoid writing songs in the quadrants that are submitted to publishers eight out of 10 times, despite being the most unpitchable. So what this says is, so there's one quadrant or the quadrants that are pitched to publishers eight out of 10 times, but they're not the one that's, Generating 85% of the publishing revenue. Another one. Oh, yeah. The one one that's pitched eight out of 10 times, I'm going to say, is upper left hand corner, right? Up tempo personal. Oh, no, no. Lower left hand corner. Lower left. Down tempo. Yeah. So it's saying like the other. Valid universal. Right. So most of what publishers get pitched are down tempo personal, meaning it's slow and I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, 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 okay. (laughs) Or up tempo and personal going, oh, it's tempo, but still it's not very universal. It's about this really niche, what it, who cares? Mm -hmm. Or it's down tempo universal. So that'd be your ballads, your heartbreak ballads, your love ballads, which may be very universal. Like I love you songs are very universal. 
but it's valid. Mm-hmm. And that falls out of the quad. That's not in the quadrant that makes 85% of the publishing revenue. So it's still just not as pitchable. Mm-hmm. So eight out of 10 times, the publisher is getting pitched one of these other three quadrants and not getting pitched the up-tempo universal. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get publisher's attention, up-tempo universal, because that's where they make their money. So I just and you know where you can find a lot of up-tempo universal content that you already have songwriters and artists that you already you've already written it mm-hmm. you know where you can find that oh i know but why don't you tell us well in the down tempo universal ballads all those songs that you wrote mm-hmm. just go and try to spin that up with some tempo and see what happens exactly and one way to maybe i hack to think about it and to separate yourself from it a little bit is say you're on one of these shows like The Voice or America's Got Talent, and they're like, we want you to do this cover of this song. And it's your own song, right? It's your ballad, your love ballad. Mm-hmm. We want you to cover this, but you got to do it as a tempo. Yeah. <laughs> Just think of it like as an assignment, as a challenge. Like, oh, okay, how would I do this if I were going to do tempo? And play with it. Mm-hmm. You might be really surprised. Yes. I mean, I've heard that's how Journey wrote most of their stuff. They write them as ballads, and then they find a way to just tempo them up. Yep. So I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. And it, hey, works for me. So I mean, Mavericks, Maver- the Mavericks, Mavericks are just all sappy love songs, mm-hmm. you know, sappy ballads that just with some tempo on it. You know, yeah. <laughs> there you go. And they're fantastic songs. I don't mean sappy like being I'm not being negative. I'm saying like I can almost guarantee you that they're written like ballads. And they're like, that's the last step is like, perfect. We've got it written. It's like, all right, now just dial it up like. 20 clicks. <laughs> yeah. Or like Raul Br- or whoever's doing the writing, you know, brings in the, brings, I got this lyric, man. I cried all night writing it. They're like, oh, you cried all night. That's nice. One, two, three, go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now sing it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Voice boy, come on. <laughs> like, oh, you know what? The, uh, remember that song, that thing, or that movie, that thing you do with Tom Hanks about the wonders? Yeah. yeah. And they started playing it. He's like, you're playing. It's this sweet ballad, you doing that thing. And then the drummer got a hold of it. He's like, you're playing too fast. You're playing too fast. And they just had to play it like a mid or up tempo. And it became a hit. Yep. Yep. You run my ballad. People were dancing. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> that becomes their hit. So it's so funny. I never thought about that in that movie. But that is like, it's the lead singer's meaningful love ballad. Uh-huh. And the drummer it just was, was like, whatever. Whatever. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> exactly. I just think, you know what? I think like approaching that exercise, I just, I don't know how anybody would be adverse to that. I just think it would be such a fun little journey yeah. to mess around that. You know why? Because it can still always be a ballad. Mm-hmm. You're not going to bastardize it. You're not going to ruin it. But gosh, that would be, I mean, imagine what happens when you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is like, like people really like this better. You know, you're going to be uncomfortable with it. Let's just save the suspense Mm -hmm. because you wrote it as a ballad. But try it out up-tempo once when you're playing a gig and just for giggles and see what happens. And you might be surprised. Like, wow, I've got a whole hit record of ballads that nobody ever wanted to hear before that now people are freaking out over because I just added some friggin' tempo to them. Right. (laughs) So much. So they do a, a case study. Of, of super song case study and they dig in a journey on this and so quadrant one which is a down tempo personal the journey song in my lonely feeling appears on the band self-titled uh, release in 1975 
I don't know this song. I don't either. Right. It's slow and largely ununderstandable. <laughs> At the time of this writing, it has only 50,000 views on YouTube and less than 1,000 streams on Spotify. Yeah. So Journey's debut album, I don't know this song. Yeah. Quadrant 2, which is up-tempo and personal. So the song Homemade Love was released on Journey's 1980 album, Departure. It came at a time where the band was trying new things and finding its feet creatively. At the time of writing, Homemade Love has more than 300,000 views on YouTube. So it's up-tempo, but still very personal, not really universal. Mm-hmm. Quadrant 3, down-tempo universal. Open arms. Yes. Mm, one of Journey's biggest hits. So it's clear message that everybody understands after one listen and does not require any sort of literary criticism for clarification, they say. Right. The official video on YouTube has been viewed more than 60 million times, and the song has been streamed on Spotify nearly 35 million times. That's at the time of this book. It's a couple of years old now. Yeah, wow. But still, that's the power of Universal, because it's down-tempo, but it's Universal. We get it. Yeah, and that is a ballad ballad. Oh, it is valid. It is down tempo. It ain't even flirting with Pat. That song has a lot of meaning for me. That song has a lot of meaning for me. I remember that song. So, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And so that was, I mean, 1980. I was five when it came out. Okay, so this is not, you know, it was already big by the time I was paying attention. It had already been hanging around a while. Like I, That was the first time I think I made out with a girl was like uh, to that that record was on. Yeah. And but we got to open arms. I was making out is eighth grade at party at John Smith's house. And I was making out with Mandy Strieber. And that was like, that's when I discovered women. I was like, Oh, this <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> open arms. I'll never forget it. Like that's what <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> yes. And so here at Quadra 4, Uptempo Universal, Journey's 1981 mega hit, Don't Stop Believing, appears on the Escape album. Fans hearing it need no explanation, and its inspirational message has led it to become an anthem for many people. It's one of the top-selling and most downloaded songs in history. Don't Stop Believing has over 100 million YouTube views and nearly 335 million streams on Spotify. Wow. It's just a jam. Yeah. Right. It's so, so it's up tempo. It's universal. It's self-explanatory. It's an anthem. And so when you're looking at where to build your songs, dear climber, see, mm-hmm. that's where the literal money is. Right. Yeah. Isn't that upper right quadrant quadrant number four up tempo universal. How can you get there? How can you start writing songs in that way? Or if you're an artist, how do we put those out? Yeah. What are we looking for? You know, and, and it's interesting because we were, just going back to what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, I was writing with Jamie Grooms and Josh Roy. We were writing for Josh's project. He's going to be putting out singles, and we want to help him have singles worth putting out. And so, I mean, everything we're looking at is we're trying to be universal. Mm-hmm. You know, we had two ballads in there and three tempos. A little more ballads than I wanted to do. I was hoping maybe only one, but we did two. Yeah, me too. But they're different. I'm still happy. <laughs> I know, I know. So I like to get my ratio a little more heavy on the tempo, but one's down tempo, but universal. It's a love song, Mm -hmm. right? Me, you, love, girl, mm -mm mm-mm-mm, down tempo, universal. The other down tempo one is a mama song, Mm -hmm. tearjerker, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So hmm, let's see. Yeah, moms, that's pretty universal. So it's more down tempo, maybe a little lower mid. So it's not open arms ballad. Right. But it's a mama song, so it's universal. Mm-hmm. So I'm living in quadrants three and four. And the other three songs are all up-tempo and then hopefully universal that a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. So I'm like living in three and four. Yeah. 
even when, when I'm writing with an artist and we got some of Josh's own personal story in one of these up-tempo songs that is his, I mean, they're all, that whole song is just, I'm like, okay, Josh tells stories, <laughs> you know, we'll put him in here. Yeah. So it's, it is personal to him, but we tie it together where one thing it's told in an understandable manner, because that's what country digs. We want to know what you're talking about. And we tied it together with this universal chorus that here's my story and here's the big point. Mm -hmm. Here's my story and here's the big universal point. So, dude, I'm living in quadrants three and four. Yeah. And I mainly like to hang out in quadrant four. Yep. Because that's where a lot of the cuts happen. So I just want to encourage you guys to think about that. You know, go go do your own. Some examples, quadrant one, be like in my lonely feeling journey. So these are the ones you just, you really don't know. We're not going to hang out there. We don't want to hang out in down-tempo personal. I don't know what's going on. Except for around here, Counting Crows. I love that one. I do not know what he's talking about. Yeah. On Counting Crows around here. It's down-tempo and it's personal. I don't care. I love it. So, okay. There's a known song in that quadrant. But, man, the band wrote it themselves. It's rare. And, and I, they're the artists. Yeah. They're the Very artists. Very kind of so, like, I have no idea what that dude was talking about. Like, no idea, but I still dig it. It's a mood. On any of his songs. It's a mood. Yeah. Let's see. Up-tempo personal would be, let's see, Marlene on the Wall, Suzanne Vega, The Temples of Shrinks, Syrinx, Rush, Welcome Home, Korean Cambria. Hmm? Temple of Syrinx, yeah. Yeah. That. Green 12. Okay. So that's not the that's not one I know. It's a story thing. It's not personal. It's a concept album. The concept thing. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not that universal. You just listen to it and everybody. Scarily, scarily, to go back and listen to that, the first half was the concept record, the first half of the album. It's scarily, I feel like society is getting close to 2012. <laughs> Scary. We're in a rush. We are the priests of the temples of Syrinx. <laughs> like they decide what you can listen to, what you can't listen to. Music is ah. is not allowed. Like it's this dystopian future set thing okay. where yeah it's very friggin' frightening <laughs> well, there you go all right so quadrant three is down tempo but universal and they put live like you were dying in this because live like you're dying is not an up tempo right uh friends in low places garth i mean that's a fun mid along kind of thing that's a mid tempo yeah that's like probably right between up tempo and it is riding the line maybe right by under up tempo mm-hmm so, so still that has more, um, that has some oomph to it. Yeah. And then when a man loves a woman by Percy Sledge or yeah. uh -huh. what's his name? The other guy that did it. I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Michael. Michael Bolton. Thank you. Bolton. Yeah. yeah. The guy from office space, Michael Bolton. <laughs> and <laughs> so those are down tempo, but universal, right? Mm -hmm. They're not big barn burners, but we know what's going on. They have a big universal. Yes. Message. And then, up quadrant four, up tempo, universal. Some examples: living on a prayer, like a virgin. Ninety nine problems. Don't stop believing. Nine to five. I don't even have to tell you the artist because you know. Yeah, and that's all point. Doesn't matter what genre you listen to. Mostly, you know all those other songs mm -hmm. and all those other genres. And even if they've been around longer than you've been alive. Yep, you can't escape them. Sorry. So anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about today. So thank you, John and Wade for writing hacking music it's cool y'all can find it on amazon i'm sure i think i've looked it up it's on amazon and it's just handy dandy little piece of work there that they did so thank you guys for doing that and thanks y'all for listening yeah we'll put a link to the book in the show notes there we go so yep. you want to pick it up you can that's right All right, guys oh, well that brings it 
I, I have yeah. something for our. I have something for the listeners. You haven't picked it up yet. Shame on you because I promo it like every other week. Mm-hmm. But I have a free gift for you. It's called Six Simple Ways to Make Your Songs More Commercial. So if you're wanting to aim for the super song, this is a good. You know, ah, actionable stuff. Put it together. It's That's- actionable. It will help you get to that super song place. Okay, this will help you get your quadrant four. Six simple ways to make your songs more commercial. You can find it at songwritingpro.com. You just click on the button that says free gift, or you can go to six, the number six simple ways dot songwritingpro.com. But just go to songwritingpro.com, look for free gift. You'll find it. I make it easy to find. And it's my gift to you. Just tell me where to send it. I send it to your inbox, and then you can start working on your own super songs. That's what I got. Love it. Love it, love it. That brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode, guys. Make sure you join the Climb community. Make sure that you subscribe or follow the podcast so you get all the episodes and you can cherry pick which ones speak to you. And finally, make sure you tell a friend about it. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.